Last Sunday, we said farewell to the Graff family. They have been such a special part of this church community. Gabe is going into seventh grade this year. And that kid is dear to me. Actually, I'm not just trying to get you to consider being a confirmation class mentor this coming year, but we've got a really great group of kids this year. Anyway, back when Gabe was about six years old, he used to call me Jesus. And it terrified me. As a pastor, that is the last thing you want is for a kid to confuse you with God because that is definitely not going to turn out well. Anyway, last, last Sunday over ice cream floats out back, Gabe's dad, Jason, and I were remembering that. Gabe remembered it too. Evidently, I had referred to him as my friend. And that somehow factored into Gabe thinking that I might be Jesus. And all that got me thinking about how when I was that age, I thought of Jesus as my friend too. In my prayers, I would talk to Jesus like he was an invisible friend right there with me. And as I got older, talking to invisible friends, well, it began to feel silly. And I get the feeling that Gabe doesn't like to be reminded about how he thought of things when he was younger. Because that can make you feel a little juvenile, not grown up. Sigmund Freud thought that thinking about God as an invisible friend was, in his words, an infantile projection and a neurosis. And I'm going to admit, there is a particular type of Christian music that I have in the past scornfully called Jesus is my boyfriend music. Somewhere along the way, I convinced myself that Jesus is my Lord, my teacher, my savior, all of these other titles. But friend, somewhere along the line, I left that title behind. And I was quite wrong about that. Jesus said, the son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. One of the things that Jesus' detractors said about him was that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend. And when it comes to talking about children and Jesus, here's a fairly well-known story. Some people brought children to Jesus so that he would place his hands on them and pray. But the disciples scolded them. Allow the children to come to me, Jesus said. Don't forbid them, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like these children. Then Jesus blessed the children. Now, if I give you the sermon that I was taught to give you, it would be to interpret this scripture in the context of the historical social standing of children, which was basically children were one step above slaves in the ancient world. They, they didn't count. 
When Jesus says to welcome children, it is because they fall into this category of marginalized people. But perhaps Jesus isn't just making a statement about social status. Perhaps Jesus honored children because they understood something about friendship that the rest of us have chosen to forget. Perhaps friendship between adults becomes so tied up with these strings of social obligation, of social standing, of separating work friends from church friends, from neighbor friends, and then all those people that you're related to. It's the complex politics of friendship. And maybe Jesus just thought that all that was messed up. Here's what you got to know about the idea of friendship in the Bible. Friendship is anything but immature. Friendship is a gift of wisdom. Generation after generation, wisdom enters souls and shapes them into God's friends and prophets. And in the Torah, the scriptures record, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. God also refers to Abraham as friend. And I'd go so far as to say that in one of the stories of creation, God creates the universe because God is lonely. And almost like a little child surrounded by stuffed animals or a tube of plastic sharks, as I remember, giving each one of them names. And also that God creates more than one person because it is not good to be alone. Friendship isn't a biblical side story. It's absolutely central. Think about it. In, in the ancient world, Caesar was a god. The Egyptians and the Persians, they had gods. And none of these gods were friends to regular people. They were gods to be appeased, to avoid their wrath. They were gods to serve and who demanded sacrifice. The God of Moses and Abraham, of Ruth and of Esther, was more than a God to be appeased. They came to know God as friend and companion. And Jesus, Jesus told his followers, I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends. Friends, not servants or followers or subjects, friends. So why is that a title for Jesus that we try to grow out of? Why do we run away from a friend toward a God of rules? Why is it that current researchers find that most Americans only have two people that they consider true friends that they would share everything with? 
and one of those is often a spouse. That number is down from three in the 1980s, which was considered alarming back then. Younger people tend to have more friends than older adults. But by midlife, with pressures of raising families and pursuing careers, having friends becomes optional. It got me thinking about these guys, Quakers. While our Congregationalist ancestors were burning witches back in the 1600s, Quakers were doing something different. They had this idea that every person was filled with inner light, with the Spirit of God. Every person, not just the baptized. They called themselves a community of friends. Now, people, at least those people who know a little bit about them, think of Quakers as old school. You know, lots of these and thous. But in truth, back in the day, they were more radical hippie than old school. How they spoke was actually considered heretical. You see, in England at the time, addressing somebody as thou was more like saying buddy or dude. And when you met a higher-ranking person, you were supposed to say my lord or my lady or things like that. Quakers didn't. They were very egalitarian, and it got them in trouble. The reason they left England to come to Pennsylvania was to flee persecution because they had this radical idea that all people should be friends. And friends don't let friends be held in slavery. Friends don't let friends be restricted from voting because of gender. Stuff like that got those Quakers in all sorts of good trouble. And there aren't a lot of Quakers left today. And the whole concept of friendship with God and with one another has been maligned as childish. Hmm. A, a great woman once said, Jesus kept on telling us that we should try to be more like children, to be more open to life, curious about it, trusting of it, and be less cynical and skeptical and full of ourselves as we so often get when we get older. Maybe Jesus was on to something. Two boys on their first day of second grade at Minnehaha Elementary School in Wichita, Kansas. Christian Moore on the right and Connor Kreitz on the left. Just moments before this photo was taken, Christian reached out for Connor's hand. He sensed Connor was overwhelmed on the first day. It turns out eight-year-old Connor is autistic. He was nonverbal until he was five. And his mother told us late today what that other little boy, Christian, saw. Christian seen him curled up in a corner, and he was crying. So all Christian did was go over and grab his hand. That simple act lit up his day. He made him so happy. And that's all I can ask for, is for someone to be open to him like that. 
and the two mothers side by side. Christian, who reached out his hand, his mother proud of her son's lesson to us all. One act it. of kindness, you know, can change, change someone's life. Can and change the world. That's all it takes. Two boys beginning the second grade and beginning a new conversation about the power of something small, something kind. And here's what Connor's mother told us tonight. I'm so happy that something so positive is coming from this and that my son got a friend and hopefully a friend for life. Connor and Christian, we loved it. I'm David Muir. I hope to see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. Connor said that when Christian found him afraid and curled up in a corner, he said, Christian found me and held my hand, and I got happy tears. He was kind to me. I was in the first day of school, and I started crying. Then he helped me, and I was happy. Connor's mother said, Christian is Connor's first real friend. And Christian's mother explained, they have this inseparable bond. It's that simple, and yet it's increasingly rare and sometimes discouraged. Connor and Christian as friends, Jesus as a friend, a community of friends gathered to be a blessing to friends they haven't even met yet. There are people who will go with you on this life's journey. Friends who will hold your hand and encourage you, love you. Friendship. I think Jesus was on to something. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, may this church community always keep building on a foundation of friendship. May we always acknowledge that every person, every person is a beloved child of God. And as we meet this summer to think about the future, may friendship with God and with all people be a guiding light for us. Jesus calls us as friends to love one another as God has loved us. Amen.